Hello and welcome back to the Coach's Corner. This is Peter Sachik, your career development and training manager. Very excited to be with you all once again here on this episode of the Coach's Corner. But before we dive in, just want to give a quick update on our format and schedule moving forward. As you probably saw, we didn't have a live session and I don't foresee us having those until after the busy season is over. So look for those live sessions probably around the May to late fall, early winter timeframes when we'll hopefully pick those back up. And then we'll also be going back to bi-weekly episodes. I realized I probably bit off a little bit more that I could chew with everything else we have going on training and development related here at UHY. We'll still have timely topics. They just won't come as frequently. So again, going back to a bi-weekly schedule and we'll try to do those live episodes once our busy season wraps up. But on to today's topic, which is collaboration. I feel this is something that is extremely important in the hybrid environment that we work in now. Plus, as people are completing their busy seasons, you might have multiple people working on the same engagement or needing to share information. And overall, it's just an important skill in everyday life that we'll talk about here with the course that I reviewed for this podcast, which is called Four Strategies for Building Collaboration. This will be available in the Coach Recommends catalog inside of UHY University. But without further ado, let's jump right in. Collaboration is one of the most important skills that we all can master in the professional world. And given the hybrid environment that I foresee us working in for some time now, and even when we come back to the office, collaboration is just going to be that much more important. So I felt that it was appropriate to talk about how we can build collaboration amongst our colleagues. And I found a really good interview from Eve Ash, who's a psychologist, and Peter Query, who's a psychology expert. Again, this is a course you can find on UHY University. I'll give you all the information as we wrap up today. They talk about the these four strategies for building collaboration. Before they do anything, they talk about this survey done by the Financial Times, which shows that the ability to work collaboratively is one of the top five skills employers are looking for. At UHY, we're all professionals. Our ability to collaborate is vital. We've got multiple people working on different projects for potentially the same client. So our ability to share and disseminate information amongst everyone is vital. Eve and Peter specifically call out four benefits of collaboration, but before we dive into that, let's first define what collaboration means. They define it as two or more people working together to accomplish something. This could be you and your spouse. This could be a former classmate when you were working on a school project. This could be a friend where you're trying to, heck, book a, a vacation or something. That's collaboration. You're trying to get something done. Collaboration is an indicator of success for many companies, and research shows that those that promoted collaboration were five times more high-performing than those who didn't. On the individual level, individuals who work collaboratively are less stressed, happier, and more engaged. Now, if we think back to pre-COVID-19 pandemic, we all were really close to each other. We could collaborate easily. The pandemic forced us to adapt by collaborating through Microsoft Teams or video conferencing or phone calls etc., whatever tool you used. The research still shows that if you're able to work collaboratively, you can stick at a task 64% longer than your solitary peers. Now think about that. We're social people by nature. If we're able to bounce ideas off of one another, get feedback in the moment, we're more likely to stay at a task because we feel encouraged, we feel engaged with our work. Rather than when we're working solitary, it might be difficult to keep that momentum going. So I encourage you, 
at the end of this episode, or even as you're listening to it, think of ways that you can collaborate with those around you. Or if you're struggling staying on task with something, see if there's people in your sphere that you can bounce ideas off of to help keep you going. Eve and Peter also talk about how you can develop a culture of collaboration, whether it's amongst you and a colleague, you and your team, or the organization as a whole, which I think we do a fairly decent job at. And they define this idea of the collaboration conversation. Now, this is something that you can use with a partner or another group member to discuss how you work. And the basis of this conversation is how you can negotiate the way you work and collaborate. The first question you should look to answer is, what is my work style? Are you more of a punctual person? Are you a quick problem solver? For me, I like to be punctual. I like to have my details all nice and neat, and I believe most of our audience is, but there are some that kind of come into it maybe a little dark on the, the topic or the idea at hand, so it's up to us to figure out, okay, if you're coming in just swamped with other things, what can my role be to help you figure that out? A second question to answer is, how do you like to communicate? Are you more of a face-to-face person? Are you more over the phone? Do you prefer email or IM? Personally, I feel the benefits of a face-to-face conversation, whether in-person or virtual, far outweigh the benefits of just sending email chains back and forth. Emails are a great way to recap information after you talked about it, but if you send me a 15-page email, there's a less likely chance that I'm going to read that all the way through versus if you or I just have a quick face-to-face conversation. Another question to answer is, what annoys me about how others work and communicate? Now, this is not the folks in the room or the folks you're collaborating with. This could be past experiences you've had. So a couple sub-questions you can use are, you know, what has annoyed me in the past about other people's behaviors? Was it that they didn't complete their work on time? They were non-responsive to communication? They didn't address your needs or work to fulfill those needs when you asked for them? This way, answering this question and sub-question, you can identify those potential points of difficulty before they happen and figure out a way forward. The questions you can answer collectively are, what am I willing to do differently or change about how I work? So in the case where I might be working with somebody who is more email communication versus face-to-face, what I will attempt to do is try and spell out my ideas in a clear and concise manner that can be sent via email so that person could receive them. Another question to answer is, what would I like you to change about how you work? So in that same case, I'm working with somebody who's a primary email communicator. I might say, hey, if you ever have a question over anything I said, feel free to give me a call or stop by my desk or send me a Microsoft Teams invite so we can talk it through. It's just you and I talking. We don't have to involve anybody else, but any questions come directly to me. And then the final question to address is, if our collaboration is not working, how will we deal with this? So if me and this person who communicate via email are not gelling together, what's our workaround? How do we plan to address it? Is it we come back to the table and kind of spill everything out and figure out the way forward or how we can improve things as we go along on this project? If you figure it out at the beginning, there's going to be no tension around it. You've already got your plan in place. These questions specifically focus on how we're going to work, sharing how we're going to work, and it ensures any issue is dealt with early. It's a simple but effective way to create that culture of collaboration. This could be in a one-on-one environment or in a larger team. Now, in the course of you working together, there are going to be some collaboration killers that you might notice in yourself or others. 
and there's specifically six of them that uh, Eve and Peter address. The first one is talking more than you're listening. So if you are just spouting off information and you're the loudest voice in the group, maybe take a step back and say, hey, maybe I should let others share their thoughts and listen. Connected with that is if you listen and you instantly judge or opine about a topic. What we want to do is when we're collaborating is to suspend any sort of judgment and find the facts in what they're saying. If it's an idea that you are unopposed to or you're not favorable of yet, listen to how they're laying out the information and look at the facts and try not to judge. Another way is not acknowledging ideas. And what we should do is encourage and recognize good ideas. If you come to the table and somebody else has a better idea, you should take the time to listen and hear where that idea is coming from or the foundation or the basis of it. And you could be surprised. You'd be like, oh, that actually is a much better idea than my crappy idea. Another thing that will kill collaboration is punishing honesty. If in that situation where we're not collaborating together, you should feel okay with them coming to you and say, hey, I think just something's not gelling with us right now. So let's try and figure that out. And you should appreciate that honesty instead of saying, well, I can't work with this person because they don't understand my style. If you defensively cling to your ideas, even though they are crap, if you just defend them until the bitter end, collaboration is going to suffer. So what we suggest, let go of your ideas. If you talk amongst the group and you realize, hey, the, this might not be the best idea, okay, let's just push that to the side. Recognize there's a better solution out there and move forward with that one. Feel free to experiment. That's probably the, the last and biggest thing that can kill collaboration is if we're not willing to take chances, if we're not willing to try something and see if it works better. So we encourage you to try things and be open to new ways. And what you'll find is the more you collaborate, the better your meetings will go because research shows that even Peter presented, people are in meetings 15% of their time. That's 15%. Some ways you can improve your meeting efficiency and better collaborate is to determine who really needs to be at the meeting. Does the vice president of marketing really need to be in a meeting about a software engineering topic? Probably not. It might be good to fill them in later on, but they don't need to be in the meeting discussing that particular piece of information. Another way is to set agenda with time allocations to each topic. So if you say, hey, Five minutes to recap last week's meeting. We're going to spend the majority of our time, 45 minutes, to talk about this new proposed solution. And then we're going to take the last 10 minutes to address questions. That way, it kind of puts that mental tracker in folks' mind. It's like, okay, we're going a little bit off topic here. Let's get back to center. Especially if you're the one leading the meeting, you can kind of get folks back on the bandwagon and get accomplished what you need to accomplish. Using appropriate tools and techniques is another way to improve meeting efficiency. If you are still a hybrid environment. You've got some people in the office, some people who aren't in the office. Figure out a way to make it work with the technology we have available, whether that's Microsoft Teams, putting a laptop at the end of the table so the people working remotely can still hear you, or projecting them on the big screen in conference and calling them in. Use appropriate tools to keep everybody engaged. Also, techniques are important. If you notice things are going off track, try to loop people back into the conversation hey, I think we're getting a little bit off topic. Let's focus on what we want to accomplish here. There's also this idea of creating a better collaborative result through meetings, and it's research shown by MIT, which is called cognitive intelligence. And this is where group members effectively read the emotional states of others. So it's a little bit of emotional intelligence mixed in here, which we learned about in last season. 
but recognizing how people feel about ideas, whether it's through facial expressions, body language, tone, the words they use, etc. All of those are indicators to determine, hey, does this person really on board with their ideas or are they just kind of going along with the flow? You want to make sure that participation is equal. The more you participate or the more you encourage participation, the better the collaboration is going to be. Thinking back to that number one collaboration killer, talking more than you're listening. If you recognize that you or someone else is talking more than they are listening to other people's ideas, address it in the moment and get other people's thoughts on what they're saying or what is being discussed. You also need to have a diverse group, and diverse can mean multiple different things, but the research that MIT has done shows that diversity includes a higher percentage of women in the group. So if you're sitting around in a meeting and it's five men and no women representation and it directly will affect women involved, perhaps include a woman to try and get their perspective as to how this is going to impact them. You also need to th have this thing that they define as cognitive diversity. We all come from different backgrounds. We have different perspectives. We have different points of view. If it's, again, five men who came up in a middle-class family, didn't have to experience hardships or difficulties getting to where they are now, that's not the most collectively diverse group that you can have. So try and blend those experiences in. If, again, thinking back to women, if it's going to impact women, get their perspective on how it's going to impact them. Having that higher percentage of women, that collectively diverse group, is only going to increase your ability to collaborate and come up with those million-dollar ideas or solutions. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Coach's Corner. If you'd like to see the full interview that I reviewed for this podcast, you can look for the course, Four Strategies for Building Collaboration, inside of UHY University, under the Coach Recommends catalog. Until next time, this is Peter Sachuk, and you've been listening to The Coach's Corner.